How many Supermans out there? Yeah, man, I grew up on Superman. My mom was a, a seamstress, and I had the whole suit. Man, I, I put it on every Friday night. Bonnie loves it. It's just such a nice time. <laughs> oh, so good to see you on a beautiful day in uh, gorgeous Colorado. We are just delighted you are here. Happy Father's Day. If you are a dad, would you stand up and let us celebrate you? South Auditorium as well. Stand. Yeah. Look at that. Congratulations. It's an exciting time, and uh, I love being a dad. It just always means a lot, and so uh, God bless you. Hopefully some good things have already happened to you, and hopefully some more to come today. We, I kind of like weekends like this because there's a lot of freedom for me as the speaker. We kind of set who speaks a year and a half out, and then we kind of plan the series, and we, we plan usually six to eight months, sometimes up to a year out on series. But we keep little windows of weekends open where there's, there's no theme so that if there's something felt need or something happens, we need to address it and, or we're inspired by something. So today I get to just do a standalone weekend. We finished the Lord's Prayer weekend, which I loved, by the way. I'm just seeing the whole Lord's Prayer different than I ever have. And then next weekend, we're going to start a new series called, are you ready? Run. We figured it would fit summer, and uh, it's just a, it's a wonderful series. Check this out. Just Google or look it up, however you do your Bible studies, how many times it says someone ran in the Bible. They're running to something, from something, from someone or to someone, and we're going to have some fun with it, but there's also some really serious messages in there about what motivates us to run, running away or running from, running to, all kinds of different ways people are running. So we should have a good time. We'll kick that off next weekend. So today, today I have been really prayerful over these last few weeks about what do I want to do on this standalone weekend? It's Father's Day. And, and a couple of weeks ago, I was in a grocery store, which I, I don't know why. I like going grocery shopping. I just like it, especially when I'm really hungry because everything looks so good. And Bonnie's like, why would you buy two of these? And I'm like, because I'm going to eat one of them by myself. I'm just hungry. So I'm, I'm, I'm going along, and I, I get out of my car, and I always try to look for the, the one grocery cart that is the misfit in the parking lot. You know, it's in the middle of a parking space because some rude person. <laughs> so I always try to do that, or, or I, I park near the little areas in the parking lot where you, so I can get one out of there. And I, and I, I was rolling it in. And I got to the place where I was coming to the end of the parking lot. I usually try to park kind of at the end because I'm trying to get my steps. Anybody doing steps? I'm trying to get my steps. So I park a long ways away. And I, I, a minivan pulled in. And it was a super mom. And she had a baby in one arm. And she was gr grabbing a cart. And she had a little uh, car seat thing. She put it in the cart. And then she had two boys with her probably couldn't have been more than five. I'm guessing like four and two. And they are wired. And I'm seeing them getting out of the van. You know, and it's this, this and, and she's, you know, doing this. And, 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 and she's getting her cart. And she turns them around. And she, she goes into mama mode. 
And she says very firmly, you know, how many of you know what I, what I mean when I say mom affirm? She says, boys, I want you to hold on to this cart the entire time. And the little two-year-old on this side grabs it. And the four-plus-year-old just stands by it. And she said, I said, hold on to the cart. And he said, why? And this is what she said. She said, because I want to be with you and I know where we're going. And then she wheels him around and throws him off. No, she didn't throw him off. And she, I saw her multiple times inside the grocery cart with those boys holding on to that, to that cart. And I just thought, thank you, God, that you have said to us, hold on to me. Hold on to me. Why? Because I want to be with you, and I know where we're going. Now, you guys, for me, there's a lot of consolation in that because I don't always know where I'm going. I know in a general sense where I'm going, but I don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what tomorrow holds. We live in a fast-paced world where things change all the time, but I know this. If I am holding on to God, it's because he's wanting to be with me and he knows where we're going. So I want to talk about what it means to hold on and what it means to think like that in our lives. I was uh, coming back from Arizona on this past Friday, by the way, um, we have a new granddaughter, and uh, that was pretty fun. So, yeah, that was really fun. We, we have a couple grandsons, but no granddaughters. And so, oh, she's like this big, you know. She's just the cutest little thing ever, Hampton Ella. And so I'll show you a picture of her sometime. Uh, I only have a couple thousand on my phone, but I want to get a better one. <laughs> I, was, I was even in DIA coming back on Friday, and I stepped into the little train, you know, the, under, the people mover that takes you uh, to the terminal. <laughs> because all this was on my mind, I was thinking about my message and weekend, and, and the first voice I hear after we get the doors shut, man, if, if you get in the way of those doors, that guy gets mad. Have you noticed that? He, he says to this lady, the voice comes on, she's having trouble getting her suitcase, and the door hits her suitcase, and the, the voice says, you are delaying the departure of this train. <laughs> and everybody's like, So anyway, once we got, I hear this voice, hold on, the train is moving. And I, and I see people going, tsh, 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 grabbing. Why? Because there's a warning that we're about to go somewhere. We're about to have movement. And we need to hold on so that we are ready. And then you always have the one guy in the middle of the train that doesn't need to hold on. And he's like... He's like train surfing the whole way in. God is faithful when we hold on to him. He's faithful when we let go of him. And he pursues us. But how much better for us to hold on. I have a, another kind of a symbol today that I want to use. It's a shovel that's been painted copper because it was a special groundbreaking shovel. And it has a, I don't know if they still make these that, that tape that you can roll around the letters and squeeze it and it makes it into a letter. And that's stuck on here. And this is what it says. Groundbreaking shovel 
September 25th, 1977. This was the shovel that was used to break ground over on the LeMay property when that church was built. Then we used it again in 2000 when we broke ground on this building. Matter of fact, it was probably in a 10-foot radius. We tried to get it where it would be right under the pulpit where we first broke the first ground to build this building. How many of you remember that? Awesome. It was a great day. I keep this in the corner of my office. It literally sits where I can just see it when I'm sitting down at my desk. And the reason I do that is because this little shovel, as simple as it is, is a reminder to me of God's faithfulness to this church and to this community that he is never going to let go of who we are. And he has trusted and entrusted to us the work of God. He's put that in our hands. And I want to be faithful And I want to be able to hand this off someday for that next building. Maybe it's going to be the Windsor campus. I don't know. But I know God is calling us to take ground and to be the people of God wherever we go. This proves his faithfulness. Now today I want to tell you a story about Moses in Exodus chapter 17. You probably, if you you grew up going to church, you you probably heard this story. But it's, it's fascinating because it involves many, many people. And it involves some strength, some muscle power, some warriors. What happens is the the Amalekites are attacking Israel. And the Israelites aren't sure what to do, but Moses gets a plan and he says, well, we're going to attack them and we're going to fight them. So he says, Joshua, you get your army ready. And tomorrow you're going to go fight the Amalekites. And I'm going to go climb to the top of that hill over there. And Aaron and her, you're going to go with me. And I'm going to take, I'm going to take, okay, we're, we're transitioning. This, this is no longer on here. This is a, a shepherd's staff, okay? You have a good imagination. That's gone. Shepherd's staff. I'm going to take the staff, which I'll talk about in a second, and I'm going to go climb that hill. And I'm going to hold the staff above my head. And it's fascinating what happens when his arms get tired and the staff falls below his head. Anybody know what happens? the Amalekites start to win in the field below. And so he realizes he needs to hold it up, which is not an easy thing. Finally, Aaron and her have to come alongside, one on each side, and help him hold up the staff. Why would God do such a thing with a story like that? I believe it's a picture of us being used by God together to destroy the enemy, the evil one on this earth. And we're better together and we are separately. So let's open up the story. Let's talk about it just a little bit. Number one in your program, on the back page if you're writing notes, you will come under attack. You will come under attack. Um, I want to just say expect it. When you sign up to be a follower of Jesus, you are not exempt from temptation. You are not exempt from evil. You are not exempt from the, the scars of this world and the pains of this world, someday we will be exempt from that when God has his full reign on this earth, but it's not now. And now the Bible says that Satan is like a, a roaring lion, lion uh, roaming across the earth trying to devour, to steal, to kill uh, any person, but especially those who are followers of Jesus. And so in Exodus 17, in verse 8, when it says, While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, 
The warriors of Amalek attacked them. There's not a big reason why they just wanted to keep the land. They were, you know, godless. They, they were pagan. They, they served many different gods. And the Israelites, now having left Egypt, um, God used Moses. They're still coming under attack. You think, God, we did this. We're out here. Why do we still have to fight for our freedom? The Bible makes it really clear that we're going to have troubles and trials. You know, in this life, you will have trouble, the Bible says. So I started thinking about us as a church and as followers of Jesus. How, how many of us are really prepared for that trouble? We prepare for a lot of things. How many of you have some type of an emergency kit in your car or your home? See, a lot of you do. Why? Well, just in case. You might not need it, but you... What's the old phrase? I'd rather have it and not need it than, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. There you go. It's been a long morning already. Um, but I, I started thinking about the ways that Satan wants to attack us. Um, I, I think sometimes it's on an emotional level. And we have many fears. We have many phobias. We have many people in our culture now that are, are worried. The, the anxiety is so powerful that it's... It's locking them out of enjoying life. We have other people that get trapped uh, physically. Uh, pain or suffering or an accident happens to them. And then financially, you know, it's a, it's a tough world financially for so many. And Satan can use that. And he can, he can try to bring real frustration to us about our finances. But one of the biggest ways that I think he tries to divide us is in, in relationships. And relationship probably is the most important word to God that there is. Our relationship with him, first and foremost. But then even like with, with me, my next best relationship should be my wife, Bonnie. Because that really matters. And Satan wants to come against that. He wants to destroy our marriage. I can remember early on um, when, as a pastor, weekends are, you know, it's not a typical weekend like most people have. So you're, you're, you're go, go, go. And when, before we had Saturday night church, um, it was just Sunday, and we were really growing as a church, and Sunday mornings were early, early for me. And I would wake up really early, and it was Bonnie's job to be the protector of my quiet time, and we have three kids, and, and so she's trying to get them up. I'm helping get breakfast, and then I'm going to leave. And it was amazing how many times we would get in some little you know, fist fight. No, not a fist fight. Sorry. Uh, we don't, we don't fist fight, but we, we would just get in some little riff. You know what I mean? Just something stupid, just something little. And, and finally one day Bonnie looked at me and she said, is it, is it odd? Cause we hardly ever have riffs in our marriage. Honestly, we, we have some, but not a lot. And, and, and she said, is it odd to you that this always happens on Sunday mornings? And I said, that's a really good point. I think the enemy of our lives wants me walking out of here pretty frustrated. And, and, and she said, I want to protect that. Let's just agree together that we're never going to have one of these on a Sunday morning again, ever. I said, that sounds great. She said, but we'll talk on Monday. <laughs> just kidding. Don't tell her I said that, okay. <laughs> I got to hurry. Number two, um, we need to have a plan. You know, if there's one thing I've learned in life is that having a plan makes a difference. If you plan well, um, you have a better chance of living well. 
And so Moses is going to get a plan. Verse 9. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men and go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Moses was led with this great idea to go and stand on the hill. Now, why the staff? The, the staff is symbolism because this thing was important in the calling of Moses. He had this before he was called to go get the Israelites out of Egypt. And he was walking in the desert with it, and God made a bush catch on fire, only the bush wasn't being consumed. It was just a fire, fire like out of nowhere. And Moses goes over to it, and the voice of God comes out, take off your shoes. You know, if you remember the story, it's the calling of Moses. And God says, I want you to lead the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And Moses says, no. <laughs> he says, I'm a stutterer, and I, I can't do it. How about my brother? God says, no, it's you. He says, no, I can't do it. God says, throw down your staff. Who knows how long he's had this as a shepherd. And he throws the staff on the ground, and it becomes what? A snake. <laughs> I hate snakes. And then God says, pick it up. And Moses says, no. <laughs> no, he says, but, but it's a serpent. And says, he, so he reaches down, and the minute he touches it, it turns back into a staff. So here's what God was doing. God was saying, I, I am bigger than you understand, and I have power to turn that staff that you've had in your hand, who knows, maybe for years, into whatever I want it to be. So Moses knows that the power of God is represented in the staff. It was not some kind of a magic stick. It was God doing this work, but he used this, and it was a physical tool in the hands of Moses. I like that about this story. Sometimes God gives us tangible, real, physical things in our life to hold on to. Hold on to me. I, love, I can just see that mom saying, hold on to this cart, because I want to be with you, and I know where we're going. Number three, our strengths and weaknesses impact other people. Our strengths and weaknesses don't just impact us alone, but they impact others that are in our world. If you've ever worked um, alongside someone in a construction setting, you know it really matters if someone doesn't hold up their end of the stick, like literally. There's this show on TV that I've been watching called Building Alaska. And it's these guys, anybody see this? It's crazy. These guys build these log cabins out in the middle of nowhere. And, and these big beams that they have to set on there. And there's, you know, three or four guys. And these things are four to 500 pounds. And, man, if someone doesn't do their part, uh, someone could die. And so this teamwork is very important. Verse 10. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded. And he fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. So what happens is you begin to see the weakness of Moses. I think he's a pretty strong guy, but he's got this staff that he's holding up above his head. Now, I don't know, if you have kids or if there's some kids in here, just try this today when you go home. You just go stand in front of a mirror somewhere and, and you hold your arms out for 10 minutes, just like that. And just see if you can do it. And the reason I said stand in front of a mirror is because 
the, the weight, the gravity will begin to pull and your arms will start to go down like this and you won't think they are unless you look at them because it's really hard to keep them up for 10 minutes. It can be done, but it's very difficult to do. And Moses is basically just holding this up by himself and he's starting to feel the weakness and the weight of it. And his arms, and they notice when his arms get to a certain uh, low point, the Amalekites start winning the battle. Now, if you're Joshua and you're in, in the field below, how many of you know, if you know that staff needs to be held up in order for you to win, I have a feeling he's saying, get his hands up, boys. <laughs> Let's get some help up there. Aaron and her run over there. They hold up his hands and the Israelites continue to win. This story illustrates how important it is that we work together as a team, as a church, walking in unity, caring about one another, recognizing the strengths of some, the weaknesses of some. We all have them, but that's why we're better together. That's why God calls us the church. That's why we are called his bride. That's also why that passage in Corinthians, when Paul was talking about, you know, there were people in the church saying, well, I'm really important because I have money. Well, I'm really important because I'm an eloquent speaker. Well, I'm really important because I do this. Paul says, can, can the foot say to the hand, I don't need you? Can the eye say to the ear? All these things. What he's saying is, it's the body that makes up the whole. And we need every gift and every talent and every resource in order to do what God has called us to do. I was thinking about this idea of, of spiritual war and strengths and weaknesses. I believe we all have natural weaknesses. We're just kind of born with a, a certain DNA strand that, that maybe we're just not very good at certain things. Now you can, you can learn to be better at it, improve them, but most people have a natural set of strengths and a natural set of weaknesses. In, in the light of this scripture in Ephesians chapter six, when Paul writes this letter to the church in Ephesus, he's trying to make a point that the struggles and the conflicts that you have in your life are not just flesh and blood. It's not just people. It's powers that you cannot see. It's, it's a spiritual world that we live in. Listen to this verse, Ephesians six twelve, And then he goes on to talk about the armor of God. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood. In other words, it's not a human realm. Um, but we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Now, I'm not here to try to scare anybody, and I'm not a guy that looks for demons behind every wall. You know what I mean by that? I'm not. But I, I think sometimes we, we lose sight of the fact that we are in a very spiritual world, and we are fighting a battle that you can't see with the naked eye. And sometimes we need to step back and say, why is this happening to me? What are the spiritual, what's the spiritual connotation for, for my faith in this? Who's putting this on me? Is it really just that person or is the enemy just using that person to get under my skin? Because I believe that happens to us all the time. And so it matters that we understand when someone has a weakness that we see in the body that we run to it and we help and we make a difference using the strengths that we have. Number four, teamwork is a must. Teamwork is a must. Verse 12, Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. They got him comfortable. Then they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. 
So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. My first inclination in reading this was to say, God, why didn't you just wipe out the Amalekites without even having a battle? You have the power to do that. But then I begin to see that God takes us through the stories of our life, the day-to-day routines of our life, to teach us, to train us, to equip us, and to give us opportunity to be a part of a bigger picture. God isn't interested in just destroying the Amalekites. He's interested in Moses being obedient to hold up his arms, and Aaron and her coming alongside to help him. And, and, and think about it. I mean, they're standing probably right under his armpits. I, I had a guy tell me after uh, one of the services this week, and he said, they should have been called the pit crew. <laughs> it took everyone. It takes all of us. And so be aware that you're needed And when you see someone who's stumbling and failing, don't gloat that you're not. Run to them and offer a hand. That's that's the way the church is wired. Number five, make certain you are holding on to the right thing. Make certain you're holding on to the right thing. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said, they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with uh, Amalek generation after generation. When you see how this story comes to a close, and you see Moses make this declaration of Yahweh Nisi, it's, it's because the symbol of the Israelites, the banner that marches before them. When kings went to war, they had these big banners across, usually with the king's name on it or the kingdom's name on it. And these soldiers would march with this name being the banner in which they marched with. It's the banner of authority by which they fight. And so Moses has this great idea to say, you are Yahweh Nisi. You are God, our banner. We will march under your orders. We will defeat our enemies because of your great name and your empowerment. Not in our own strengths, but because of who you are. You know, when you try to hold on, when you try to hold on to God and you're, and you're doing a good job because you, you know you trust him, but then the flesh has appetites. And some of them are sin, some of them are just not healthy, but they can turn into habits That can turn into addiction and people make really bad decisions. When they grab a hold of an appetite that's not godly or pleasing to God, you can be like this for a while in your life. You can love God with all your heart. There's some wonderful people that love God that end up in a dilemma because they're still holding on to this. And and, and when God starts to pull you away from it, it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to have to let go of that? Yeah. You're going to have to let go of that. If you don't let go of that, you're not going to keep going with God. And I've seen some people make the decision to stay here and hold on to this a while. And then when they're done with that, they run back to God. Now, God in his mercy will take you back. 
But in the process, you destroy many things in your life, your own confidence, your own thinking. And many things get destroyed when you walk away from God and to God and from God and to God and from God. So he wants you to hold on. And, and you better know what you're holding on to. I, uh, another experience, which was a long time ago in a grocery store, I put my cart over to the side because I realized I forgot something back uh, in the row. And I had several things in it already. So I, I walked back and I get what I need. I wasn't, I wasn't gone 10 seconds from the cart. I'm, I'm not kidding. I come back, I set it right here, and I start to turn, and a lady says, excuse me? And I said, yes, and she said, that's my cart. <laughs> I said, it is? And I looked in it, and none of that stuff was mine. And my cart was the next cart up there. I mean, think how I would have felt at the checkout stand, you know, with all this healthy food coming out. I'm mean, like, God... <laughs> God is changing my food to make me eat differently. <laughs> make sure you know what you're holding on to and you're holding on to the things of God. I have three takeaways, real simple thoughts. I'm going to give you really fast at the end. And this is homework. You can do it today or this week, but please give some serious thought to this, okay? Three simple thoughts. Number one, identify your areas of potential weakness. We probably already know our areas of strength and weakness, but I don't know if you've ever taken the time to write them down. And you don't have to write them down right now in front of anybody, but at some point this week, I want you to just go make a, a, just a small list to say, these are the things that could potentially take me out if I'm not careful. Am I greedy? Am I lustful? Am I stingy? Just, just the things that, that maybe you know you have to fight and you have to, you have to wrestle with in your life. Because if you know them, then you really can win. You can really not let them get you and control you. The second thing that I want you to identify are some people that you would count on to help you. Some people that you could count on to help you that honestly, you know they would have your back even if you mess up. I am deeply grateful, deeply grateful so for some people I have in my life that I can tell them anything going on in my life. And I mean that, and that's a big statement. But I can, and I have. And they've helped me with things that without their help, I'm not sure I would have made it through some of them. And I'm, I, I think I can stand here today as a pastor of Timberline Church saying, I've had some moments where they, they saved me because of my willingness to talk about my world and my issues and my worries and my anxieties. And I thank God for that. You guys, we all need that in our lives. The third thing is, um, I want you to identify what you hold on to most. What you hold on to most. You know, when it gets tough out there, um, what, do you, what do you go hold on to? Is it something that, that's godly? Or is it something that's not good for you? Some people run to a, a bad place when they get stressed out. And you really need to know when, when my life is being challenged, do I run back to my talent set, my gift set? Do I depend on my money? Do I depend on my knowledge or influence or my authority? What's the default mode for me when I go into that thing? Your greatest advantage is to hold on to God. Remember where we started? I think of that mom. Hold on to the cart. Why? <laughs> Because I want to be with you, and I know where we're going. 
You guys, that's the voice of God in our lives today. Hold on to him because he wants to be with you and he knows where you're going. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love so much. Thank you that you loved us first. Thank you that you care about us. Thank you that you chase us. Wow. Remind us of that on this day. Lord, for people who have made really bad decisions, for people who are stuck in habits that don't please you and maybe they've experienced a lot of pain because of it, I just ask that today would be a, a, a change day. As we sang that song earlier about breaking every chain, Lord, you are a God who can break us free from the bondage of this world. And I'm asking you now to be that bondage breaker in someone's heart, in someone's life. With heads bowed in here, I, I, I haven't done this yet this weekend, but I'm gonna pray for some of you in bondage. You're stuck, you're holding on, and you know you're there and it's embarrassing to you, but would you just let me pray this over you? Lord, my brothers, my sisters, right now acknowledge this bondage in their life. Sometimes they win, sometimes they don't. But I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus to be Yahweh Nisi, our banner, the God of empowerment that goes before us and allows us to defeat this enemy. Lord, I pray that today would be a heart and mind change forever in my brothers and sisters. I pray also, Lord, finally, for those who don't know you personally, that in this moment they would say, Lord, come into my life and cleanse me. I want, I want to hold on to you more than anything else I'm holding on to in my life. I give you my life now, and I trust you. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.